right, we're back. Hi there, hockey fans, and welcome back to the first episode in the eighth season of Rotowire's Signature NHL Hockey Pod podcast with Statsman and AJ. Friends, I'm Paul Bruno in Toronto, Ontario. You can follow me at Statsman22. My co-host, once again, is the illustrious AJ Scholes. A great follow at AJ Scholes24. That's A-J-S-C-H-O-L-Z-2-4, based in beautiful Sun Prairie, Wisconsin, very near Rotowire headquarters over in Madison, Wisconsin. Allow me to welcome back my co-host, a very talented A.J. Schultz. As I said, A.J., I hope you had a great summer. I am just fired up about another hockey season for us. Yeah, I mean, we're about a month away now from, uh, you know, the, the real shooting. We'll have, what, like two weeks until we've got preseason hockey as well. So, yeah, it's it's exciting and, and ready for it. You know, of course, it's it's always fun during the summer, new New faces in new places, who goes where, who's doing what. Um, and we have a lot to talk about in, in all these previews. A lot of movement, as there always is, over, over the summer. And AJ, to that end, as is our custom, we rejoin our audience with four preseason pods where we're going to devote an entire episode to each of the four divisions in the NHL. And on today's first show, we're going to talk about the Pacific Division. So the way it's going to go is we're going to break down the depth charts of forward, defense, and in net for each of the teams, reminding you where they finished last year, some of the point totals that the players scored last year, and maybe project plus or minus in that regard for, for some of the stars that we expect to have big ups or big downs this year. So uh, without further ado, let's slide into the Anaheim Ducks. They finished seventh in this division last year with 76 points. They got a young, dynamic offense, though, that's going to be a little more interesting this year with the addition of a young rookie that we'll get to in a sec. But uh, – the top line uh, features three guys that each potted well over 50 points last year. Adam Henrique, a converted center, AJ, finished with 42 points last year and actually in 58 games were projected over 50 points. And I think you could pencil him in again for in that range as he's playing beside Trevor Zegras, who had 61 points in 75 games, and Troy Terry, who had 37 goals to lead the squad and 30 assists in 75 games. So that's your top line. And uh, I, I think a pretty interesting one there, considering the skill set of uh, at least Segris and Zeteri, they should be uh, picked in the top half of your your fantasy drafts, I would expect. On the second line, uh, they're the first of a few question marks for this team. Isaac Lundstrom, uh, 80 games played, 29 points, moves up to a projected role in the second line. And the first new face in new places, that, as you highlighted, Ryan Strom, from the Rangers, he comes over and signs here after a season where he picked up 54 points in 74 games. He looks to be the guy that they're going to pencil in at the center slot in the, in the second line here. And they're going to round it out with Jacob Silverberg, 53 games played, five goals, 16 points. That's the top six, AJ. Why don't you finish off the roster and highlight maybe the rookie that uh, should catch a few eyeballs this year? Yeah, absolutely. So another, uh, you know, Rangers transplant here, Frank Vetrano, we're projecting him as as the third line left wing. I think he's probably the biggest challenger uh, to Ludstrom for that role. You might see a few other names get tossed in. Maybe other people get a look here or there. But I do think Vetrano the most likely to challenge for that spot. And then that youngster you mentioned, Mason McTavish, played uh, in the OHL last year. And I think he is poised to, to be a full-time NHLer here uh, this season. You know, obviously last year 
um, continuing to develop, had a, a really good year with Hamilton, 14 goals, 26 assists in 24 games with them. Has very limited, uh, they, they let him play that kind of nine game, uh, you know, limit so that he didn't burn a year last year. I would expect he'll go well over that this year. Um, I suppose it's not impossible that they could move McTavish to the wing um, and have him possibly play on the second line, but I think they'll want to start him out at center where he's definitely more comfortable. Derek Grant on his other side there. I think this gives McTavish some, you know, some established players to kind of learn from. I I think it's a good trio there. Max Comtois, uh, uh, Benat Alverjo, I'm going to mess that one up, but, uh, (laughs) Giroux, I believe is how you say that. And then Sam Carrick as the fourth line here. Max Jones could be a factor as well when he gets fully healthy. Um, So I I like the depth here. You know, you looked at this team last season. I think depth was their weakest point. They add in two forwards here. And I think there's some good good depth here on this team moving forward. AJ, uh, the French-Canadian name, I will help you out. It's uh, Gru. Is, is how it's pronounced, and uh, he's a guy that may not have upward mobility, but I look like I look at Max Comtois as a guy that could be penciled in to threaten uh, upward, upward position instead of the number four left wing. I could see him going as high as number two on this roster. He's been up and down the roster in that range, so keep an eye on him uh, in the early going if he catches fire. Uh, why don't you lead us into the blue line, AJ? I'll give you the first chance to have a crack at it. They got three offensive minded players in the mix, maybe even four. So I kind of like the, that aspect of this, this court. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It starts off with, with Cam Fowler and nine goals, 33 assists last year, really good season uh, for him. And, you know, I, I would expect uh, more of the same, you know, 30 years of age. It's not like he's entering the back half of his career. And with some additional support, both from the forwards and the, the defensemen around him, I do think he could push for, for significantly more. He's definitely upwardly mobile in terms of offensive production here. We've got him set to play with Jamie Drysdale for now. Um, I think that gives them a, a good pairing there. I, I like you know offensive defense, not that Drysdale doesn't have any offensive upside of his own. He had 32 points last year. Um, so I do think... Uh, that's a good starting point. Uh, Vakanainen and new man John Klingberg, who comes over from Dallas, looks to make up the second group. You know, Klingberg, six goals, 41 assists. I would imagine he'll probably take over as the number one uh, power play quarterback here and should have plenty of opportunities in that role as well. And that could mean less points for a guy like Kevin Shattenkirk, who will make the third uh, third pairing alongside Josh Mahura. Um you know, Shankirk, 30, uh, 35 points in 82 games last year, a really solid season for him. But with Klingberg coming in, I, I think those power play minutes could be dis- decreased for him. Dimitri Kulov, Nathan Boylo adding some depth here as well. I wouldn't expect a ton out of those guys um, unless somebody gets injured here. And AJ, I'm, I always take a look at, uh, I let in with the comment on the blue line, when you have at least three guys that are capable offensive threats, 
that excites me. I think they have lots of opportunity for, for mixing and matching here. Uh, I'm not sure who's going to emerge as the power play quarterback today, but if I had to put money on it, I would say Cam Fowler is going to be the guy. But you can make a case for Drysdale, Klingberg, and Shattenkirk. All of them are going to probably get a bit of a run on at least the second units at some point during the course of the season. So keep an eye on that situation because the value of the players can change dramatically with the power play boost. In the Nets, it's a familiar tandem. John Gibson's been the goalie of record, uh, number one goalie of record here for years, and he's going to get that role again. He finished the season with 18 wins, 26 losses, 11 overtime uh, losses in shootouts and overtime. Uh, one shutout, 319 the goals against average, the save percentage, 904. Those are kind of pedestrian numbers, but more reflective of the quality of the team that was in front of him last year. I think those numbers are going to improve this this year, AJ. And Gibson's attraction is that he's still one of those few goalies who's capable of playing upwards of 55 games this season. I, I think you can pencil him in for about that many again, backed up by Anthony Stolarz, a career backup goalie. He's been up and down in the minors. Uh, for periods of time with cups of coffee and then NHL for the last few seasons, not a threat to the number one role, but pretty good numbers when he played last year, 12 and eight was the record three, three uh, overtime uh, losses and then three shutouts in limited play. 267 was his goals against average and 917 the save percentage. So the numbers are actually better than what Gibson put up, but I think you still pencil in Gibson as the number one guy, don't you? Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I, I think he will be their their starter for them. Anthony Stoller's career backup, in in my opinion. Um, I don't have much add, else to add on that, Paul, so I'll just take us into the Calgary Flames. Finished first last year with 111 points. A lot of news around this team during the offseason, basically kind of blowing up their their team, as it were. Uh, Sean Monaghan is gone. Matthew Tuchuk is gone. Um, you know, they, they just really a lot of changes. And I, I'm not convinced necessarily that this is a team that got better um, with all those. Uh, Johnny Gaudreau, forgot to mention him. He's gone as well. But they certainly didn't sleep on making additions. And one of those guys is Jonathan Huberto, who we have penciled in as the top line. He had 30 goals, 85 uh, assists last season with Florida in 80 games. He'll play with uh, Elias Lindholm, who is, you know, the, one of the like only remaining guys from their top power play unit last year um, that that's still hanging around. We've got Tyler Toffoli on the other wing. I like this group a lot. Again, I, I'm not totally convinced that this team got better, but um, they certainly added, uh, you know, guys to, to make up for their losses. Andrew Mangiapane going to be the second line left wing. Nazem Kadri, the other new guy, comes over from Colorado, fresh off the Stanley Cup. I do think he might be an upgrade at, at center for them. Uh, they, they were maybe a little wing-heavy last year. So I like the addition of Nazem Kadri. Blake Coleman should continue to see upward numbers, in, in my opinion. 16 goals, 17 assists last year. I would expect him to do better with Kadri as a center, Manjapani on the other line. So that's the top six as I see it, Paul. Again, I'm, I'm not convinced they got better, but I also don't know that they got worse. Uh, why don't you uh, give us a look at the, the depth here and, and let me know what you think about their uh, offseason moves. I will say this. I got to give Bradford Living all the credit in the world for getting Huberto and Matt Mackenzie Weger in that deal where a gun was pre pretty much put to his head when Matthew Kachuk indicated that he wasn't going to planning on re-signing a long-term deal here. So went back into a corner. Not only did he replace the offense 
that they lose in Kachuk. Maybe he gets even more points than than that with Huberto, and he also gets a, a top-notch defenseman to boost the depth back there. We'll get there in a sec, but to, to answer your question, I like the addition of Huberto and Kadri. That gives this team a little more bite, and don't sleep on Elias Lindholm and think that his numbers are going to trend down. This guy had a breakout last year, 42 goals and 40 assists. I, I like the way he plays the game, and I think partnered with Huberto, he's going to do extremely well and maybe approach those numbers again. The key for me is how well does Tyler Toffoli fit as a top-line winger, you and I know he's been around the league for a while and more of a second, third-line player. He's, he's penciled in at the number one job because he's the best of the lot there in the depth chart at the moment. Uh, in terms of the depth players, the bottom six, Milan Lucic is back for another year. He, he scored 10 goals, 11 assists, and was the team policeman uh, again, and he fill, figures to fill, fill that role and, and should be staying in this third-line role. They're paying him a lot of money for it but uh, but uh, he's a key part of the leadership of this group and uh under the tutelage of mr sutter i think he's going to thrive once again michael backland dylan dubay round out a third line that's going to be credible in terms of scoring but certainly good on the checking side of the puck and i like the addition of cody Eakin to this lineup he had an injury plague here uh a little bit last year so the scoring totals were a little bit down even though he appeared in 69 games only 12 points I think he's good insurance at the center position. And Trevor Lewis is good insurance on the right wing as well. He can play both wings, in fact. One name to watch for in terms of a possible dent in the, in the veteran core of this offense is Walker Dewar. He played in Stockton in the AHL last year, picked up fifth, uh, in 59 games, 23 points, and he's penciled in to make this team on offense. So you wonder where he might fit in. Could he challenge for a second-line role? Possibly in, in place of Blake Coleman, I'll say if he can play the right wing. But otherwise, I think he's destined for a bottom six this year. Now I'll get to the defense here, AJ, and another group that excites me in terms of the depth and quality with the addition of Mackenzie Weaker. He figures to slot in on a second unit after coming over uh, on the heels of a 45-point season in Florida last year and expecting to partner with Yusuf Valimaki, who is more of a defensive uh, defenseman. He had an off year last year, plagued by injuries, relegate, uh, limited to only nine games. But despite that, figures to be in the top four here. The top pairing uh, should be one of the top best top pairing defense uh, groups in the, in the NHL. Noah Hannafin, 48 points. Rasmus Anderson, 50 points. So that's 90 points from the top two guys here. Between them, they they missed one game on the season. So uh, you notice that a lot about the Calgary players. The core guys didn't really miss a lot of action. So uh, they hope to skirt by the injury bug again this season. That'll be a key to their success. And AJ, they rounded out with Oliver Shillington, another guy who's capable offensively. And then a new addition, Nicholas Malosh from San Jose. He scored only seven points in 50 games. Figures to be the defensive conscience on that third pairing, Chillington blessed with some offensive upside. We'll see some power play time as well. And they've got veterans in the seven and eight spots. Uh, one with a question mark, Chris Tanev. He faced off-season neck surgery and shoulder surgery, and there's some concern that he'll be ready to play at the beginning of the season. But aside from him, they also have Nikita Zadorov back. Big size, one of the best physical hitting defensemen in the NHL. He played 74 games here, picked up 22 points, and you can look for him to emulate more of the same. So there's depth, there's quality, there's scoring, and there's some solid defense here. I think it's a good group, AJ. What about you? 
Yeah, I think one telling thing about the potential for Tanev to be sidelined long-term is they brought back Michael Stone on a PTO for for training camp, a professional tryout agreement. So um, obviously they think there might be might be something there um, that Tanev might miss some time and they want, you know, Michael Stone kind of with them in training camp to potentially sign a deal if he's going to miss out. I'll jump into the goaltending and it'll be the same tandem as last year. Jacob Markstrom will be the predominant starter. He was fifth in the league in games played last year at 63. I would expect that number to be pretty much the same. He'll be one of a handful of guys that goes over 60, I would imagine, this year, which means Daniel Vlader not going to offer much in the way of fantasy value given limited starts. And really, look, the talk for Markstrom is going to be entirely about the postseason. Yes, he had a phenomenal regular season, started off okay against Dallas, and then the wheels just completely came off in that series against Edmonton. And that's going to be the focal point. Uh, and much of the talking point is, you know, I we've seen this with other goalies in the past that have a good regular season, collapse in the playoffs. You know, should he be playing as much as he is? Maybe he should be playing less. Um, I'm sure that'll get talked about. And a lot of that probably will depend on what Vladder can do. Last season's numbers were not great. Um, you know, they, they weren't terrible, but 23 appearances, 13 wins, six losses, um, you know, 2.75 goals against average. It's decent. Um, so maybe they can rely on him more, and, and we'll have to see how that shakes up. But I would imagine going into this season to expect Markstrom to be one of those guys up over the 60 mark. Yeah, and you make a great point because the stats show when you break them down. He had an outstanding first half. That seemed to be a common theme with a couple of uh, these workhorse-type goalies. We'll get to another one shortly, in fact. But Markstrom is going to be the focal point here. If he can have another season approaching what they did last year, I think this team is in good shape to compete for the division flag once again. And we'll get to our final predictions late in the show where you and I put our put – our, uh, best efforts to make predictions on how these teams stack up too. So hang in there for the end of the program and we'll give you that breakdown as well. We move over to the Edmonton Oilers. They finished second in this division with 104 points last season. And one of the reasons why it was a great pickup that they made, it was a bit of a risky one, but Evander Kane played the role of solid citizen off the ice and Fit like a glove with the top six here. Got a lot of ice time with Connor McDavid. His numbers reflected that. With 43 games played, he scored 22 goals and 17 assists. Had an outstanding year, uh, playoff run as well. And uh, beside Connor McDavid, he figures to start again this season with uh, McDavid smarting probably from the fact that he didn't win the Hart Trophy as the league's MVP, but he was the top scorer in the league, and he figures to be that again. Last year, he had 123 points in 80 games, and I can see him going a uh, tick over that this season. And the lucky guy to benefit with uh, regular playing time on his right wing is Jesse Pugliarvi, only 12 goals and 22 assists last year in 65 games. If he can stay in that top-line role, he's going to do more than that. So it's up to him to, to play uh, solid wingman again with those two other guys could be the forgotten element and uh, really a guy that could be primed for a breakout in that role. On the second line, Ryan McLeod gets promoted to a regular slot on the second line by our projection. Nine goals, 21 assists. He figures to dwarf those numbers if he can stay with Leon Dreisaitl and Zach Hyman who figured to round out that unit. Hyman, of course, coming over from the Leafs last year, had his career best season with 27 goals, 27 helpers. Again, a very nice playoff run and fit in 
very well on the team's power play as well, where he's scored a lot and then uh, also had a very nice playoff run. And then Dreisaitl figures to be a challenger for the Rocket Richard Trophy. 55 goals, 55 assists last season, AJ. Uh, that's the top six, how they look. Are there any threats to that group? Uh, certainly, the guy who's centering the third line is going to get a lot of special team power play minutes. You can talk about him and the rest of this, this group up front. Yeah, absolutely. I, I do think it's important to remember, you know, Evander Kane was a late addition to this team, so he didn't really get a full season playing with, with Connor McDavid. Um, and so that's certainly something to watch in terms of his numbers. I would expect they could definitely creep up this year, um, you know, with a, with a full campaign. I mean, he hasn't gone over 30 for a number of seasons now, but he also hasn't played over 60 games due to, you know, COVID shorted seasons signing with Edmonton late. Um, so if he can play, you know, 70 to 80 games, I think he could definitely be upwards of, of 30 goals, which is actually his career high um, is 30. He's hit that mark twice. I wouldn't be surprised if he could go above that this year in a full healthy campaign for him. You mentioned one guy who could push for it. Uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, we've obviously seen him. Either he moves to the wing and Drysaddle stays at center, or Nugent Hopkins takes the center spot, Drysaddle moves over, or even Drysaddle moves up to the first line, and then Ryan Nugent Hopkins is on the second. So I do think there's a lot of options there. Um, you know, they'll move things around, whether it's Ryan McLeod, Kyler Yamamoto, or even Jesse Pugliarvi, who gets bounced out when they shuffle those things around. Any one of those guys – um, could be moved out for Nugent Hopkins if they want to stack things a little bit more. For now, though, it will have Warren Fogel on one side coming off a, an okay season, 12 goals, 14 assists in 82 games, and Kyler Yamamoto on the other side, 20 goals for him, 21 assists. I wouldn't necessarily ex- or, uh, expect much more out of him, uh, be, out of either of those guys, just because of their role, um, unless they get pressed into playing higher up the lineup. For a fourth line, we're looking Matthias Janmark, Devin Shore, and Derek Ryan, all guys who can be somewhere in the probably 10 to 20 range, maybe 25, um, again, depending on if they get, you know, stints up the, up and down the lineup. But um, I wouldn't be banking on any of those guys hitting, you know, 40 points or anything like that. Um, a couple guys, Justin Bailey is going to be with the team on a PTO, see if he can make the squad or not. That could certainly be a factor if he does earn a contract here during camp. AJ, this blue line is led by Darnell Nurse, their signature player back there. He figures to get a little more power play time uh, rather than splitting it with a guy like Tyson Berry. I think he won the role outright late in the season to be the number one guy. And so that's going to boost his offensive totals. He only had nine goals and 25 assists during the regular season where he played 71 games. I think he's going to approach at least 45 points this season with regular duty on the on the special teams and playing behind the top two scoring icons that they have at center ice. He's partnered with Cody Cece, and I don't recognize this guy, AJ. From the time that he played <laughs> the Leafs, he was a total pylon and no offensive skill. I look at his totals from last season, and he had 78 in 78 games, he had 28 points, incredible totals for a guy who has been known as a defensive defenseman. He's got the size, too, that you like. He can take a good slapper as well. So uh, I think he's well well suited for the offensive na- uh, nature of this team overall. They got Brett Kulak and Evan Bouchard on a second pairing. Bouchard is is kind of a 
Uh, a guy that I'll keep an eye on could be a sleeper for a breakout campaign. You some consider he broke out a little bit last season with 12 goals, 31 helpers in 81 games. Could be another guy that gets involved in, in the power play as well. Definitely at least second line uh, power play role. And uh, the aforementioned Tyson Berry, well, he's been a bit of a liability defensively wherever he's gone. And that caught up to him a little bit last season and kind of diminished his role on five on five. He still got seven goals and 34 assists in this mix, but lost a little bit of time on the power play and that impacted his overall totals. I think you're going to see that happen again. And maybe he'll be hard pressed to reach 40 points again in my mind. Ryan Murray is another guy who is in the mix for third-line minutes. He played only 37 games, collected only four points. He's much better, better player than that, so hopefully he avoids injury. He might be a surprising contributor on the back end as well. Other than that, uh, some unfortunate use with Oliver Clefbaum. He had, he had an injury plague last season that uh, made him a non-factor, essentially, and his career is likely over at this stage. We haven't heard an official announcement. But other than that, they have Philip Broberg, who was their first-round pick in 2019, played only 23 games, got three points last season. And if Murray falters, I think Broberg is the first guy they're going to go to to uh, fill that role. So that's how I see the blue line, AJ. Any insights there, or do you want to take us right into the goalie situation? Yeah, I would just add that I, I think Cody Ceci was just miscast in Toronto. I mean, you look at career numbers – he had three seasons with Ottawa when he got to over 20 points, had 17 points with the Penguins the year after he left Toronto. Um, so I think he, he just, for whatever reason, maybe they were utilizing him different or, or asking him to do something different. But I just don't know that he was well suited uh, for whatever role they're asking him to do there. Um, and I, I do find it interesting as we go into the goalies that we're talking about what is turning into like Toronto West here, Paul. You've got CeCe, Hyman, Barry, and of course now new netminder Jack Campbell, all former Toronto Maple Leafs. I'm probably forgetting somebody that that you're, that you're aware of here. But uh, Campbell comes over on a five-year deal, uh, joined in free agency, had a good season last year with Toronto, 31 wins, nine losses, six overtime losses, five shutouts. 2.64, the goals against average in, in 49 games for the Leafs. So a um, little surprised that they couldn't get a deal worked out with him in the offseason. I, I didn't think his contract was outrageous um, in, you know, in term five years. Yeah, he's 30, 30 years of age, so maybe a little long, you know, maybe one year, two years longer than you would like. But $5 million, uh, a year for a netminder is pretty cheap these days around the league. So, I like the addition there. They'll stick with Stuart Skinner as the, as the backup. And then, um, you know, Mike Smith is pretty much still technically with the team in terms of contract, but he's not expected to play at all, um, you know, due to uh, it sounds like a number of injuries. Right. One. So uh, that's my take. I'm, I'm surprised Campbell left Toronto that they couldn't make that work. Paul, uh, what do you think about Toronto West here and their goaltenders? Well, the goaltending situation uh, – is certainly looking better for Edmonton than it did last year. I'll say it's an upgrade to get Campbell, younger guy, and he put together a couple of good seasons for Toronto. The Leafs simply could not afford him to fit him into their their cap structure. We'll get to the details on that in a few weeks when we talk about Toronto in, in more depth, but uh, that was the the, uh, the nature of it. Of course, very, very popular guy in the room, and he's, he'll be a hit with fans in Edmonton as well, a real folksy guy and couldn't probably have picked a better place to land if he wasn't going to be back with the Maple Leafs. And I'll be keeping a close eye on him to see if he can rebound from a very poor second half 
uh, also may have factored into the Leaf decision making. I think it's a situation like Markstrom AJ, in fact, where they may have played him too much in the first half and he had le- not enough left in the tank when not only in the second half, but when the serious shooting started in the playoffs. So Skinner, I think, is going to be called upon to play a little more than he did last season. We'll see how that plays out. One of the teams that's going to threaten uh, the Calgary's and the Edmonton's in this division, in my mind, is the Los Angeles Kings. They were a surprise last year to go all the way up to third place with 99 points. I think they're poised to do something similar again, partner. And and uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about the offense that you see from the top couple of scoring lines here? Yeah, absolutely. You know, for, for L.A., a little bit more... Um, more stability uh, over the year. There, there's not a ton of new people, but one of the guys that they did bring in was Kevin Fiala, who we expect to be on the first wing um, or first line. Rather, they brought him in from Minnesota. They uh, then immediately signed him to a large seven-year deal worth just a little over fifty-five million. So they're obviously expecting big things from him. They'll stick him on that first line with Adrian Kempe and Anse Kopitar. All of these guys put up huge numbers last year. Kempe, 35 goals. Kopitar had 48 assists. Fiala with 33 goals with Minnesota. So I think that speaks to what you can expect out of this. You can expect Kempe and Fiala to score Anze Kopitar to dish around the puck. And I think it's going to be a hard first line for most of the other teams in this division to match up with. From there, you've got Trevor Moore, Philip Deneau, and Victor Arvidsson making up your second line. Again, another really solid group here. You've got Trevor Moore uh, with, uh, you know, 48 points on the year. Philip Deneau, 51. Victor Arvidsson, 49. And I, I would expect similar production out of these guys. You know, they're, they're going to get another year to, to gel here. Um, last season was Deneau's first with Los Angeles. Uh, Arvidsson, similarly, uh, his first year with L.A., a really good season for him. So I think another kind of off season and, and training camp together is only going to help this group. It's more similar names when you go out through the bottom of the lineup. Alex Iafalo on the left, Quentin Byfield in the middle, and uh, Arthur Kaliev on the right. Uh, a young, kind of a younger group here uh, and, and up-and-comers, especially Quentin Byfield. I think you could say similar. They've got Blake Lazat filling in as the center on that fourth line. Brendan Lemieux. And Carl Gunstrom, some veterans with a little more grit to add to that line. I think Elias Anderson could also be a factor as well. So uh, really no huge tweaks, but if you kind of project forward, some of the younger guys get better. You add in a guy like Fiala, and I think just naturally this is a, a better, more improved forward group without having to do a whole lot here in the offseason. I agree with that assessment, and the pressure will be on a guy like Adrian Kempe to replicate something close to the 35 goals. I think I don't think you can expect him to get a 35 again. I think uh, Fiala will certainly be counted on to juice the offense, and his offensive total is better than a point per game last season. I think he'll be asked to try and do the same thing, and that bodes well for Anze Kopitar, one of the best two-way centers in between them. This guy in the second line had a career-best season, Philip Deneau, 27 goals last season. I expect that number to go down, so that might impact the total impact of the second line. Trevor Moore certainly found his, his footing here with 17 goals. Arvidsson, I can expect more than 20 goals out of him and maybe topping the 50-point mark to, to kind of balance what I think they're going to lose between Dano and Moore. I think Arvidsson could make up for that. Uh, in terms of the depth pieces, I'm keeping an eye on Quinton Byfield. 
partner because the, a lot of it is a lot is expected of him. He's not going to unseat Kopitar or Dano, but he's certainly going to be a factor on special teams, I think, for this club. And I think he's going to really make this one of the better third lines in the NHL if he ha- takes that quantum leap and has a breakout type campaign. But they certainly have insurance policies in the likes of, with the likes of Lazat and Grunstrom who can move up and down should they face injury in the top six or top nine. Those are two guys that are poised there. And then Brendan Lemieux, one of the better disturbers, as I like to call them around the NHL, to round out that offense. On the back end, it was an injury-riddled group, and one of the key guys, the key guy here, was a guy who missed half the season for this club, AJ. That was Drew Doughty, limited to 39 games. He put put up 31 points. That translates to a 60-point season. I don't think he's going to be up there at 60 points, but I certainly think he's going to threaten the 50-point mark, and the guy who is lucky enough to be on his on the side uh, beside him on the ice on a regular shift is Mikey Anderson, a guy that they're grooming to be a top four defenseman in the league. He's going to get a great opportunity. He only played 57 games and was relegated to only eight points uh, in total. I think those totals can jump to be plays with, with one of the best players at this position in Doughty. In terms of the rest of the defense, Alex Edler had an off year injury riddled as well. You wonder how long he's going to continue to be able to play a top four role because age is creeping up and injuries as well. I said he only played 41 games, AJ, three goals and 16 assists. Good power play quarterback if they need one behind Doughty. And then partnered with Matt Roy, rounds out that top four. Roy is a guy uh, as well, missed 15 games, had 21 points. I think that's more or less what you can expect from him, more of a defensive type defenseman. On the third pairing, they have a couple of guys that are intriguing to me. Sean Walker is a guy that they used more in prior years. Of course, he was limited by injuries as well last season, only six games played, two assists. Sean Dursey is the guy that keep that Pooley should keep an eye on, though, because behind Doughty, I think he's a guy that will get some power play opportunities, and he showed an offensive upside with 27 points in 64 games played. And behind them all for insurance, Thomas Bjornfutt, Formerly a, a highly rated prospect in their organization, 70 games played, only eight points, but uh, I think there's more there. So uh, all in all, it's not the best defensive group in this division, but I don't think it's the worst one either if some of these guys reach their potential. I'm thinking of Anderson and Dursey in that regard and a full season out of Drew Doughty, AJ. That's what I think. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I'm very curious to see what we can expect out of Sean Walker here. As you said, you know, torn ACL and MCL in that knee. Um, it's been almost a year, about 11 months. It was October when he when he tore it. So um, can he get back to being the guy that, you know, 2019, he had 24 points. Um, I think that's good expectations for him. He was getting a little bit of power play opportunity uh, in both those seasons in the second group. You know, can he return to being that? If not, then Bjornfoot is going to have to step in and, and be in this lineup here. Speaking of guys with uh, that missed opportunities here, Cal Pedersen, I think, really failed uh, big time last year in terms of an opportunity to take over for Jonathan Quick. Um, you know, he, he played in 37 games, 20 wins, 14 losses, 2.89 was the goals against average. Perhaps more concerning, the save percentage was 895, so a sub-900 save percentage. And, you know, this is another year we've kind of seen multiple seasons now where it's like, okay, Cal Patterson, he'll split time with Quick, and then, you know, if he can develop into the player that 
that everybody's kind of expected him to be, he'll take over as the number one. And that just hasn't happened yet. Quick for his part, you know, his, his numbers last year, again, not terrible, but, but not phenomenal either. Nine one nine one Oh was the save percentage, 23 wins, 13 losses in, in 46 games, nine overtime defeats as well. So I, I think there was an opportunity for Cal Pedersen. I think he failed to take advantage of that. Um, and, you know, he, he should have another year to try again. But I, at some point here, I think he's running out of time to become anything more than a career backup. Yeah, the pressure's on quick to replicate what he did. But I like the fact that they've mitigated his usage and not made him one of those 60-plus games played goalies. I don't think he can do that anymore. And Pedersen will be motivated to, to take a bite out of the numbers and maybe threaten that number one role again. So uh, that should bode well for this tandem, AJ. So uh, you pointed out the goals against average, both decent, I'll say, 259 and 289. Uh, I think uh, most teams would be happy with that kind of those kind of numbers. But the fact is the save percentages were lower than the team, the team averages around the league. And that's the key issue that I think you're highlighting and taking a good shot at it, actually. We're going to call it a, a call for a break here, take a time out. We'll be back with our look at the remaining teams in the Pacific Div- uh, Division of the Western Conference on Rotowire's podcast with Statsman and AJ, the fantasy po- hockey podcast of choice for, we think, the winning teams in fantasy hockey this season. We're going to be back after these messages. Hang in there. driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast ditch the busy work use indeed for scheduling screening and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. All right, we're back, but let's have another reminder for ways that our listeners can reach out to us during the course of the week. And we also have a sponsor that we want to update you with. So I'm going to give it to AJ to handle the introduction of our new sponsor, and then have a reminder that we'll hear on a weekly basis going forward. Yeah, absolutely. With the NFL kicking off and the NHL season coming uh, uh, near, it's the best time to try Caesar Sportsbook. Today, anyone who is at least 21 years old and in a licensed Caesar Sportsbook state can create a new account and redeem the Caesar Sportsbook promo code ROTO15. That's R-O-T-O-1-5. The promo code gives new users a risk-free first bet up to $1,500. Visit Caesars.com slash sportsbook or download the Caesars Sportsbook app today. And don't forget to use promo code ROTO15 when signing up. As to reminders on how to reach out to us, we welcome you to send your comments, questions about fantasy hockey or your team in general to us over on Twitter. You can reach me, as Paul said, at the top of the show, at AJScholes24. And you can reach Paul the Statsman at Statsman22. We'll be happy to share any good questions we get. With us also being live, if you happen to be on Facebook, you can actually go on to Facebook during our show and comment, and we can actually see those comments and respond to you live. So if you're interested in interacting with us during the show, head over to Rotowire's Facebook page, and you can find us there. Well, AJ, we've talked about two of the three California-based teams. We'll talk about the third one now with San Jose. They finished sixth in the division with 77 points. They'll be hard-pressed, I think, to reach that point total again with the improvements of some of the other teams. I don't think they did enough here offensively 
at least to boost the roster with a significant ad. And uh, I'll lead us into the discussion of the forward ranks, at least. And uh, maybe that'll amplify what I just said. Tivo Meyer finished with 76 points here, the top offensive contributor to this team. 35-goal season, a big breakout for him. He'll be centered by Thomas Hurdle, uh, who is uh, gives them a pretty good look at one in the one-two spots at center ice between him and Logan Couture. Hurdle had 64 points uh, as the top line pivot. Alexander Barabanov, another Maple Leaf reference is coming. AJ, so close your ears if you're bored of it already. <laughs> but he has looked like a different player in San Jose. 70 games played, 10 goals, 29 assists last season in a maybe middle of the pack role here he's going to get a chance to play top six minutes and i think you can see if he takes another step those numbers will be boosted again this season so keep an eye on him and if he's going to play with these two veterans uh, on the top line kevin lebank is a guy who lost a lot of time to injury only 21 games played so five points doesn't really tell the story there this guy can be a contributor i don't know if he's a solid second liner he's been mostly a third liner guy in his career so that's indicative of a little bit of a lack of depth here on this squad logan couture 56 points as i said he'll be hard pressed to duplicate those numbers if he gets no better than lebank and luke coon in the new addition from nashville who scored only 22 points in 82 games so you can see I'm talking about 22 points on one wing, five points in 21 games. Question marks already for me in the top six. Are there any answers on the in the bottom six, AJ, that might push these guys? What do you think? I don't know if there is. Um, you know, you've got Oscar Limbaum coming over from Philadelphia, 12 goals, 14 assists in, in 79 games. Maybe he could push Kunin for a spot. Uh, Nick Benino returns for another year. He had 26 points last year. Uh, he's not really, you know, at this stage in his career, I wouldn't expect him to be upwardly mobile in terms of, um, you know, where he can fit into the lineup. Noah Gregor on the other side, 23 points in 63 games. And even looking further down, Jeffrey Veal, Nico Sturm, Steven Lorenz, all set to be um, on that, that third line. Um, again, you know, maybe max out of these guys, 20 points. You do have Evgeny Svechnikov, who signed – uh, a one-year two-way contract with them, you know, highly touted player. He was drafted 19th overall back in 2015 by the Red Wings, uh, had a decent season, uh, 19 points in 72 games with Winnipeg last year. So he could maybe be a factor. Uh, Matt Nieto is not going to move up beyond maybe the fourth line, possibly the third. So, um yeah, I don't think there's a lot of answers to the questions at the top, Paul. So I, I, I agree with you. I think this lineup from top to bottom has more questions than answers. You know, can LeBanc, LeBanc rather be you know, get back to being how good he is? Can Barabanov step his game up, as you said? Um, and, you know, for me, even looking at the D, there's still a lot of questions there, there as well. Uh, Mario Ferrar, decent season. He's more of a shutdown defender. So, you know, the 14 points out of him, um, pretty much what you'd expect. Eric Carlson gets, uh, you know, 10 goals, uh, 25, uh, 25 assists, but he's going to be asked to step into, I think, a bigger role uh, following the departure of Brent Burns. Um, you know, they, they sent him off in part, in my opinion, because they just had too much money invested in the blue line. Now Eric Carlson needs to step up, but the problem with Carlson is he's just always injured. Can he be healthy? Um, so a good question mark there. Again, Mark, Mark Edward Vlasic, a good shutdown defenseman. Ryan Merkley, not really an offensive powerhouse. He had six points in 39 games. 
Simic and Nutavara make up the bottom pairing. Uh, again, not a lot of offensive upside from either of those guys. Uh, Nutavara barely played last season, just one game, um, in, you know, in part due to an injury there as well. So, um, again, more questions for this team on the blue line as well. That's right. I mean, you consider Carlson's commanding an $11.5 million and then Vlasic $7 million. That's not a lot of production in, in some for the totals that those guys are going to put up. And they're on the books for the next four years, AJ. So a bit of an albatross on the back end there with those two guys. Of course, if Carlson can maybe forget, make people forget about the salary by having a big point season, then that will go a long way to help this club. But other than that, there's not too many off- offensive upsides here. I will say... A positive thing about Matt Benning, if he can find the form that he showed in the first couple of years in the league with Philadelphia, he uh, he did have an offensive upside that's gone missing in the last couple of seasons. I think I suggest to you that he might be a guy that they'll turn to 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 take a look at in the second power play, perhaps, and maybe that helps boost his numbers because I don't see uh, behind Carlson anybody else who's going to be a threat offensively in this group. Vlasic, I think his best days are already behind him, and the point totals reflect that. Only 17 points in 75 games played. More of a defensive stay-at-home type, as you mentioned. There's not a lot of of offense in this group, so an opportunity for Benning is what I'm going to keep an eye on. In the Nets, one of my favorite guys in the NHL, James Reimer, uh, is going to be back and probably going to be the lead dog in the Nets, but I think it'll be a close tandem between him and Kapo Kakinen, who has bounced around a little bit in his young career already. But I think he's a guy that you can expect to take over the lead role here, in fact, over James Reimer. Their numbers are almost similar across the board in terms of goals against and save percentage. So they'll go with the veteran early on, I think, to get more of the games. But I think you can look at uh, things to flip and by the end of the season uh, to get Kapanen more of time in the development phase of his early career. Well, I'll take us into Seattle, who finished last in the division last year, which is 60 points. Um, not too surprising, considering, uh, you know, they had just come into the league. And I'll be honest, I don't think they got the goaltending they were expecting they were going to get. But we can touch on that a little bit later. Uh, starting with the forward groups, we've got Jaden Schwartz on the left-hand side. He was limited to just 37 games due to injury last year. And then Matty Beniers is going to come in. He played 10 games with them at the end of the season last year as, uh, you know, as a, a junior kind of move over second overall pick by Seattle in the 2021 draft. And I do think it is very fair to expect him to be their number one center heading into the season. I would expect big things out of him. He's had a scoring touch throughout his career. I'm going to tentatively say... 50 points, maybe. I, I think that's certainly doable playing with a healthy Jaden Schwartz and Jordan Eberle on the other side. Eberle, for his part, had 44 points last year. I think Beniers can do a similar number. They brought in Oliver Bjorkstrand from Columbus to bolster the second line left wing here. A fantastic season by him. 28 goals, 29 helpers, and I think will really help them. That's a career-high year for him in each of those categories. Um, and and actually took on more power play role last season. 19 of those 57 points came with the man advantage. So another really good addition to this team. He'll play with Yanni Gord, who was a 48-point guy, and Andre Burakovsky, uh, who uh, had, you know, 61. So I've, I'm actually liking this top six. I think if there was a problem with this top six last year, it was the center depth. And when you can move Yanni Gord back to the middle – 
Beniers comes in, can be your first line center. Um, suddenly, I think that is potentially a strength of this team, at least in the top six. Paul, what do you see out of the rest of the lineup? I think it's a great call, AJ. They fortify their depth. And when you look at it, they got a 20 goal season out of Gord. They got a 22 goal season out of Gorkowski. Jared McCann led the squad with 27. We haven't even talked about him yet. He's going to bounce around the depth chart here. Can play middle if Gord falters. We can play wing. This guy's the Swiss Army knife of the NHL. I'll say one of the top, most versatile scoring forwards that you can have on your roster. And uh, I still rue the fact that the Leafs didn't hold on to him when they got him. Briefly. Saying that Some, the Penguins uh, traded him to you uh, to let him go. Yeah, exactly. I don't like that either. <laughs> no, so uh, very good insurance policy in him. Uh, penciled in a third line left wing. Alex Wenberg, ditto at center. If Gord struggles, they can plug him back into the middle. And Jonas Donskoy had an off season last year. I expect him to be a big bounce back candidate. So keep an eye on him as a dark horse contributor. He only had two goals and 20 assists last season. This guy's a 20-goal scorer in this league. He's done it before, and I think he does it again with a rebound, rebound campaign. Even looking at further into the depth chart, Ryan Donato, formerly of the Bruins, he played last season in Seattle, got 31 points. That's a guy they got penciled in at center on the fourth line here. So the depth chart looks a lot different than it did this time last year. And again, one other wild card could be, what if Shane Wright, the fourth overall pick in the 22 draft, comes up with a great camp and shows that he's ready to play now? That throws everything into a blender here, and you can expect that he'll play no worse than a third-line role if, if he qualifies himself with an outstanding uh, preseason. So keep an eye on him. Maybe stash him if you've got a dynasty league going on because he'll be in the mix sooner rather than later here in Seattle. On the back end, they have some options on the blue line where we've talked about a couple of teams that really don't. Uh, certainly it looks better than the L.A. group, I'll say, when you consider Vince Dunn, 35 points. Jamie Oleksiak, a capable offensive guy who had an offseason last year, only 17. I expect him to double that this season and get maybe upwards of 35 points this season on the back end. So that's two guys to keep an eye on. Justin Schultz, maybe a, a little bit behind them, Adam Larson. A defensive conscience on that first pairing still compiled 25 points. So there is more offensive depth back here. And I also like the addition of Michael Kempney, who played top line, top pairing minutes with John Carlson in Washington for a time, but then got hurt last season. So he's a wild card to, to push for minutes as well. So they do have a wealth of options here. And uh, I think there's some guys that will uh, do major upgrades on their scoring point totals on the back end here. Between the pipes, you've got um, probably the closest thing to an open contest, I think, heading into the, the season here. You've got Philip Grubauer, the presumptive number one, um, but he is coming off a pretty bad year after going, you know, 39 and uh, 39 and one for Colorado with seven shutouts. Last year, he managed just 18 wins, 31 losses, and two shutouts, a career. Uh, worst 3.16 goals against average. So they brought in Martin Jones because Chris Dreger suffered a torn ACL at uh, during the World Championships playing for Team Canada. And so uh, you obviously have um, him maybe available in the second half of the season, closer to February. And so uh, Martin Jones comes in, you know, most recently in Philadelphia, but also previously of San Jose. This is a guy that took a team to the Stanley Cup Finals. He's got multiple, four in fact, 30-plus uh, win seasons. We haven't seen it from him in a while. And so obviously, you know, he doesn't come in as a presumptive starter who's going to be a 31 guy. 
but it's there. He's had that pedigree. And so I would call this the closest thing we have to an open contest in terms of who could be the starting netminder um, in, in almost the entire league. Yeah, but for my money, I'm still giving Grubauer the inside track. I just don't trust Jones, as you said, over the last couple of seasons. And he's got to show me before he can get a sniff. I think it'll be a 50 to 32 split. In fact, I think Grubauer is going to get that kind of an edge. So we'll see how that one plays out, AJ. We'll go over now to the Vancouver Canucks. We've got two teams left to go before we give you our final predicted standings. The Canucks finished fifth in this loop with 92 points. And when you look at this roster, I think this is a team that should be challenging for a playoff spot this season, just based on the returning veterans. But they also made a couple of interesting additions among the depth pieces. Um, Tanner Pearson will play first line left wing minutes. I don't think that's a great bit of news for Vancouver. Maybe that's an area where they're lacking a little bit of depth on the left wing. And, and it could shuffle up when you consider the other options that they have there. JT Miller, could be the lead dog at center, should be, coming off a 99-point 90, season last season, 32 goals, 67 assists. Connor Garland fits a, fits a neat role here and gets first-line dibs at the moment with coming off a 52-point season, career best for him, and I think he's just showing the tip of the iceberg there. I think this is one guy that I really like, has the grit and the skill that reminds me of several players in the past that uh, are my kind of guys that can play it any way you want and they have a scoring touch to boot. The enigma on this team for me is Elias Pettersson coming off a 68-point season, started very slowly last season, but then picked it up by the end of the year. I don't know which version is going to show up early this season, but this guy's a point-of-game player when he's on top of his game. He may be even better suited at center, but right now they have Miller and Horvat in the top two roles in the middle of the ice, so maybe freeing him up with uh, fewer off defensive duties might juice his totals as well, something to watch for. And a uh, right-winger who hit pay dirt on, at the in, on cap-friendly site, you'll see the new salaries, and one of the Guys with the biggest smile is Brock Besser, who finally got a big contract there. 46 points based on 23 of each goals and assists. Rounds out the top six. Then they sign a guy like Ilya Mikheyev. They paid big bucks for this guy, AJ, and I don't really see him lasting in a third-line role to justify that. I think he needs to be top six minutes, and he's the guy that I think could push Tanner Pearson. What say you about that? And the rest of the guys among the, the forwards here, we got guys like Vasily Putkolzin, Nils Hoaglander, a couple of guys to keep an eye on as well that might move up and down the depth chart. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think Mikhaev is probably the most likely candidate to challenge Pearson for a top six role. Of course, they can move Pedersen up um, to, to the first line with JT Miller. Um, but I, I do think out of, you know, out of everybody, he's probably the biggest candidate there. Jason Dickinson, won't really push for much. He had 11 points in 62 games. I think he's just a better suited, you know, defensively minded kind of guy. Perfect for your third line center. You mentioned Podolskin, uh, 26 points for him last year. Again, that's depth numbers. Um, their fourth line could look complete or should look completely different this year. You've got Andre Kuzmenko comes over from the KHL. He had 53 points in 45 games playing over in Russia. And, you know, if he can bring that, if he can translate that game, maybe he slowly creeps up, you know, a third line role, then maybe to a second. Um, but he's going to have to convert his game to the NHL style. Curtis Lazar comes in 16 points in 70 games. He'll fill their fourth line role. You know, maybe injuries would see him move to a third, but you're not going to get much more than that. And Dakota Joshua comes over from uh, the Blues. 
eight points in 30 games. So if he plays more of a full season, you could see him potentially pushing for that 20-point threshold. Um, but I, again, I don't think he's going to really challenge for a top six role in any of these spots there. I'll take us into the blue line right away that looks pretty much the same to what we uh, saw last year. Oliver Ekman Larson remains with Vancouver. Despite I've never seen a player who's more likely to move every single year like than Oliver Ekman Larson, but um, still there. Just five goals and 24 uh, assists last season. That's a pretty disappointing campaign when you consider this is a guy with multiple 40-point seasons, a you know, 55-point season as well as a career best. For what they're paying for him, you would expect him to at least be up around 30. We do have to be concerned about the fact that he suffered a foot injury during the World Championships, was only expected to be out for four to six weeks, and that was back in May. So we're anticipating he'll be ready to go when training camp opens up. He'll pair up with Tyler Myers. 18 points in 82 games, just solid uh, kind of defenseman. The biggest kind of churner of the offense is going to be Quinn Hughes. That's not going to change this year. Just eight goals, but a ridiculous 60 assists in 76 games for Quinn Hughes. Expect more of the same out of him. He pairs up with Luke Shen, kind of a more defensively-minded guys guy. You've got Kyle Burrows and Travis uh, – Kyle Burrows, rather, and Travis Dermott round out the top six here with Danny DeKaiser coming over from Detroit could also factor, but again, those are going to be kind of the bottom, you know, those three guys, Burroughs, Dermott and DeKaiser, I think will kind of shuffle in and out of the lineup maybe a little bit. Um, But that four pack, I think is pretty much set in stone. At least that's the way I see it, Paul. I agree with you. Quinn Hughes should be among the top half dozen defensemen to go in your drafts, 68 points, he might get right around that with the, the, the level of talent that he'll play with on the power play and the top six forwards here as well. So uh, I think Oliver ekman Larson might be pe- peaking at around 30 points. So pressure is definitely going to be on Hughes to replicate what he did last season. In the Nets, they have one of those workhorse goalies here, AJ, and Thatcher Demko should be one of the top goalies picked in your drafts. 33 wins, 22 losses, seven ties or shootout losses. Uh, or overtime losses, I should say, and then one shutout, 272 the goals against, 915 the save percentage. That save percentage is right where you want to have your top goalie be on the season, and he'll get a lot of action again this season, backed by Colin Delia, who comes over from Chicago, and uh, you can expect this to be like a 55-27 split in the Nets, at least the way I see it, A.J., Taking us into the last team now, we'll go through the forward ranks of the Vegas Golden Knights. They finished fourth in this loop with 94 points, a bit of a, a disappointing season when you consider the talent that they have on this roster. They couldn't just keep couldn't keep everybody healthy, and that's why they finished the season without a playoff appearance the, the last season. Jonathan Marchessault, 66 points. Eichel, 25 points in 34 games. Mark Stone, 30 points in 37 games. You can see by the games played total what I'm saying. This team needs to stay healthy, and we'll see what, what that group looks like. March so getting the promotion of top-line minutes because they moved on from Max Pacioretty. They couldn't fit all the salaries in, so they've had to shuffle the deck a little bit, and that means that the forward tandems look a little bit different. Brett Howden is a guy that gets the likely promotion to second-line role 
at, at this point, instead, it looks like he played 47 games last year, 20 points in total. He'll be uh, with the longtime second liners, Willie Carlson, who had 35 points, and Riley Smith, 38 in 56 games. They need more from that second group. Again, all three guys have to be healthy. They've missed at least 15 to 20 games each, so that's the challenge. They're lucky that they still have Chandler Stevenson as a guy that gives them some flexibility among the depth pieces. Chandler Stevenson played center anywhere from first line center to second line wing much of last season. We got him penciled in as a third line winger and there's another third line winger that I know you're dying to talk about. So I'll throw it over to you for a look at the rest of the forwards here. Well, yeah. And you, we should also mention that Evgeny Dadanov finally got traded um, after getting traded, then not getting traded. So now they (laughs) traded him again. Um, so that freed up some cap space as well. But the, the interesting addition, they add Phil Kessel, who is on his own ridiculous Iron Man streak. So maybe that's why they targeted Phil the Thrill, somebody who can play every night and not deal with injuries. Although maybe going to this team was bad for Kessel's streak because they've already been hit by some injuries. But we'll touch on that in a little bit. But yeah, Kessel, I, I think we pencil him in as the third uh, third line right wing. And that's a good spot for him. I would expect his primary value is going to come from being on the number one power play with them. That's kind of his niche role these days. Nicholas Waugh figures to fill the middle of that line. And then for the fourth line, we're looking at William Carrier, Jake Leshin, and Michael Amadio. Keegan Colasar could be a factor as well. Um, And then, you know, question marks, uh, you know, Nolan Patrick expected to start the year. On long-term IR, again, um, you have to wonder if his career is probably over, um, although that hasn't been init- officially announced. But he, you know, as of July, had been not making any progress. And then news comes out that he's going to start the year on long-term injury, injured reserve. So, um, you know, they, they're projecting the first month of the season for him to be out, but it could certainly be more. Um, and a really disappointing potential end to his career after, you know, such a, a bright expected start taken second overall in the 2017 draft by the Flyers. AJ, we'll take a look at the defense here. Alec Martinez and Alex Petrangelo. That's a pretty nice looking first pairing. Of course, the challenge is for Martinez to play in more than 26 games this year. And that'll go a long way to seeing just how good this club can be. If both these guys can stay healthy pressures on Petrangelo to Keep doing what he's doing, get 45 to 50 points on the back end. That's what he did last year, 44 points a total in 80 games. Braden McNabb has been the second line, uh, part of the second pairing for a while here. 18 points is not why he's there. He's there to be the defensive conscience, while Shea Theodore is another guy who pads offensive totals. So they got three guys in the mix here that will do the offensive heavy lifting in Theodore, Petrangelo, and possibly Martinez. Zach Whitecloud and Nicholas Haig round up the the depth chart here of a pretty impressive looking top six for me, AJ. And then Ben Hutton, the insurance policy uh, is something of a depth player on any squad. And he will fill that role here and uh, be plugged in. If they do suffer an injury or two on the back end, he'll be the first go-to. I'll take us into the goalies really quick, AJ, because I want to hear your slant on on maybe the weakest tandem in this division. And that's Logan Thompson, Played only 10 games last year, last year, late in the season. And uh, that's when the trouble really only started with Robin Leonard's injury situation. And now he's not even part of the mix. And Logan Thompson is the number one guy here. And behind him, they got Michael Hutchinson, a guy who was 
a, a third or fourth stringer in Toronto for a few years, and I cringed every time he took the, the role in the Nets. So I really think this is a real weak link and a big problem for Vegas. Quick comment from you, and then we'll get into our standings. Yeah, I mean, you're you're really getting uh, really getting desperate when you decide to trade for Aiden Hill, who barely played last year due to an injury of his own. I mean, you're talking about a guy from late January to the end of the season played in one game. And this is your fix, potential fix to your goaltending problem. So it is going to be the Logan Thompson show, I think, out of the gates here. Um, they're going to have to hope against hope that, that he's solid because, yeah, as you mentioned, Robin Leonard not going to play at all this year. Laurent Persuad likely to at least miss opening night, if not longer. All right, AJ, it comes to that time where we have to put our uh, reputations on the line and we'll be referring to these standings later in the season, I'm sure. So when, what do you think is the order of finish one to eight here? Yeah, I think, you know, looking at everything, um, they finally have a net miner. So I think Edmonton is my favorite to win the division. We've talked about goaltending having been their problem from the, you know, the last like five years, it seems like. And they finally seem to have solved that by bringing in Jack Campbell. So I really like this Edmonton team. I talked highly about L.A. Um, they do still have Jonathan Quick. They, you know, they've got some up and comers and, and didn't make a lot of tweaks. I think they're headed in the right direction. I see Calgary dropping back just one spot to third. Um, I, I think they did overall stay about neutral, maybe a little worse, but they'll still be a playoff squad. I actually really like Anaheim here moving up to four. Again, another team that's trending in the right direction with some of their young young talent in Zegris and uh, Mason Matavish. And then I've got Vancouver coming in at five where we talked about them needing to have a few guys step up. And, and I think they're poised to do that. Vegas drops to six for me. I said last year that they weren't going to be a playoff team. I think that continues this year as well with all the questions in goal. I would expect Seattle to take a step forward. We talked about some, some upside there. I have concerns about their net mining, but their forward group looks really strong to me. So I would one step up to seven. And then San Jose rounds out the bottom here. Um, there, there's just so many questions with that entire lineup. AJ, I think we've reached a consensus. When I look at my picks against yours, the top and the bottom look very similar. I'll flip a couple of positions at the top, though. Uh, Edmonton, I think, is the class of the loop, but I don't think it's going to be a big margin. I'll say Calgary is the team that finishes second. I think the, the work that Trilliving did this offseason uh, – should get an executive of the year consideration based on being back in the corner and coming out looking like a star with uh, primarily the addition of Uyghur in addition to getting Huberto back there uh, in that deal. I'll repeat that. And uh, Los Angeles, we both like the way this team has started to really develop something offensively. They still have one of the better talents in the league on uh, in the Nets. They have a very interesting goalie tandem, in fact, if Peterson can get his act together. Vancouver, hard-pressed to replicate what they did uh, in terms of getting the mileage that they did out of Tra- Thatcher Demko. That's a luxury, and you hope that he can deliver the same kind of season. But I like the mix up front, and I'm a little concerned about the lack of depth uh, scoring-wise on the back end, I'll say, and maybe quality-wise overall. And so that's why I got them fourth. Anaheim is slowly building something, and I think they're going to challenge Vancouver for fourth place, but I don't know that they're going to beat them at the end of the regular season. So I'll say they're fifth. Vegas, to me, uh, I agree with you. They're on the outside looking in and, and fitting in 
among the also rans here with the likes of Seattle and San Jose, who have seventh and eighth. I think San Jose is going to be the worst team in this division by far and in contention for the first draft pick in the whole league next uh, next summer. Final thoughts, my friend. Well, the only thing I will add is that, you know, in the last couple of seasons, it felt like it was very clear which teams were good and which teams were bad. It was kind of relatively easy to rank them when we did this preseason show. I don't think that's necessarily the case. I, I do think there's still a top and, and a bottom here, but I think the middle is getting a little more cluttered um, and that it's definitely trending towards a better, more um, competitive division. AJ, that brings us to the end of the episode. All that's left for me to do is say thanks to our listeners for tuning us in. Uh, our eighth season underway here now with Rotorwire's podcast with Statsman and AJ. We'll be back next week with our Central Division preview. As always, remind you to take that we're here to assist you with all things relating to your enjoyment of fantasy hockey. So we encourage you to send your comments or questions on Twitter, where you can also follow me, Paul Bruno, at Statsman22, and you can follow AJ at AJSholes24. So long, everybody.